All right. Well, welcome back to the sixth podcast. And we were talking about this gentleman for a long time. I think on every episode you were mentioned on this. And so you'll see him here in one second. I'm going to bring him on. But, you know, thank you for coming back. We've had a little bit of a pause. You know, our, my business has quadrupled in the last 90 days. So it has kind of just taken precedent over this. But thanks for always tuning in, listening, sharing and viewing. But without further ado, I want to bring on Nick Theodore himself, the man who got me into this business. So grateful for everything he's done for me. And I'll get into that a little bit deeper. But, you know, this man has changed my life. So welcome, welcome, Nick. Thanks, Brady. And man, you're not kidding when you say quadruple. That's not a metaphor. You've been smoking it lately in the business. And hey, you've been working hard and you get the the benefits of it. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wouldn't be able to do it without your system. <laughs> so um, Nick has been able to design a, an awesome seven-step program that we really use to be able to get, um, you know, whether you're a new agent, unlicensed agent, licensed agent, or you've been in the industry for 60 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you had the, the the highest success, but we can bring you in, put plug us into your system as long as you have an open mind and be able to go from that step to that. So I know I got started... Um, I was in telecommunication business during COVID, lost all that, got sick, had to move in with my grandma in her basement, um, and then stumbled into Equus, and then stumbled into your group somehow. I don't, I always wonder that. I never like, there's so many groups within Equus. How did I get with the theater group? But I'm so grateful every time. So, yeah, well, we're, we're happy to have you here. And, it, and it's great to have somebody who's, you know, a young person who has a lot of dreams and desires to, uh, to really be in the group and be one of the leaders. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the one that has, encourage me to become a leader. So, you know, Nick, so some things I want to do um, and go over real quick while we're, while we're doing this is, you know, kind of your, your story. A lot of people, I don't think know your story, but as I've gotten to know you almost will be four years next November of doing this business and knowing you, um, but how you got into the industry, I think a lot of people are always curious, like they see you making, you know, multi seven figures, you know, living the best life ever, but they don't understand, you know, what the struggles were getting there, right? Um, I know you've had a couple of businesses before this, then you got into this. So I guess start kind of from the beginning and then we work our way through that. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, the, the funny part of how we got into this business is we were a client needing insurance, oh, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, which was is kind of crazy com compared to where we were from. But, you know, uh, my wife and I got married in uh, 89. And uh, a year later, she was pregnant with my son. And so, you know, very quickly in our early 20s, we were, you know, we had uh, one child, we decided that we really like, like we have a lot of principles in our life. And one of the principles is neither one of us just likes working for somebody else, <laughs> you know, and like we, we wanted to be our own boss. And so we investigated a few businesses early on, they really didn't have enough profit margin, they didn't have enough freedom. And then um, after my son was born, I started to work um, at a flooring company, sanding, refinishing hardwood floors, and it was very physical. I loved doing it. It was very gratifying. Um, and then I decided to open up our own company after I kind of reached the top of, of their pay scale, which wasn't nearly enough for what I wanted. And I remember having a conversation with these people, and like they were flabbergasted on why I would leave. And I said, well, they said, why do you want to leave? I said, well, I want to work less and make more money. And they just <laughs> laughed at me, you know? Exactly. And, um, and our business was probably about 10 times the size there, there's ever was oh, in the geez. same location. So, uh, you know, they, they weren't laughing for too long. Um, and we ended up selling ours for, you know, for almost a half a million dollars about 13 years later. But I really, I enjoyed the fact that we could do what we wanted when we wanted to do it. So we've never really had this budget ever in our life because 
you know, it, when you work for somebody and they're going to say, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars, you have a budget. You are, is a fixed income, no matter how big the income is. When you're working for yourself, you can make decisions to, to work a little more, get a little better. And all of a sudden that income goes up. Um, but you know, we sold the business back in 04 and then we got into real estate in 05. And if you look backwards, that was like the worst time in history to start <laughs> investing into real estate. We were flipping houses and, you know, a lot of that money that we had made on the sale of the real estate or the sale of the, um, the flooring company was basically sucked out by the real estate transactions. Exactly. I mean, we had houses that were projected, you, know, you buy them here and they're projected to go here and you, you, you fix them up and they sell for less than what you bought them for, you know, it was just, there was nothing ever like it in the real estate market. And so we, you know, we, we basically worked our butts off. We, we finally in 2008 made about 360,000 in real estate. And then just everything crashed right after that in 09. And we we're just, you know, like left holding the bag on about 30 plus properties. And um, it was, it was pretty rough. That and sounds really rough. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't even imagine losing losing that much money. That'd be crazy. It, it was a lot. You know, we we had three Porsches at one point. We had to sell all those, and um, we we, you know, actually we were. My wife was looking for an, an insurance policy for her mother, so because her mom wanted life insurance without an exam, and so she went online and googled it, and she became what we call a lead, right? Right. And so this guy from um, Detroit, Michigan, called went to um, my mother-in-law's house who we lived next door to them uh, on about a six acre property. And my wife sat with her mom to make sure this guy wasn't gonna rip her off, right? And uh, she ended up getting a policy. And at the end, the guy said, oh, by the way, um, do you know anybody looking to do this? Cause we don't have anybody in the area. I came from Michigan to work this weekend. And my wife says the obvious question, well, yeah, how much money did you make last year? <laughs> and he said, about 150 grand, which was not very exciting for, for Cindy Theodore. Um, <laughs> and then she said, well, how much does the top guy make? And he said, well, we got guys making over a million bucks. She's like, give me your card. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then that's how we got into insurance. And the first year, first full year, which was 2010, uh, we ended up making 185 grand. And then 210 the next year. And then the next couple of years, it became a little more difficult and so we were, we never made more than that 210 until we came to Equus Financial. And then that first full year, we made 265, 507, 655, then over a million dollars. And then the next year was over 1.5. And we became, in, um, we were approached by Brian Adams and we were um, integrity marketing partners. Yeah. And I think, you know, just hearing your the trajectory, essentially, you know, it was either you or your wife always looking for something better, right? You're always wanting yeah. to better yourself, always want to um, kind of take the risk. Why do you think you guys always decided to take the risk and do new new things? You know, a lot of people get into their nine to five. Like you said, you have that ceiling, you have that cap. You have somebody that literally tells you when the clock in, when the clock out, what holiday you can work, what holiday you can't work. If you have somebody pass away, how much time you get off. Um, I guess what made you kind of want to leave that cycle and start like, essentially betting on your guys' selves. Yeah, I, I would say, because first of all, we're not afraid. Um, we're not afraid of risk because we, we're focusing on the reward. And when we're in control of it, see, like if, if we're going to take the shot, then we feel good about it. If somebody else can take the shot and I'm betting on it, I have no control. And so we always felt, hey, if we can take the shot, we're going to make it. And it's not just like 
one time. It's like it, it's you're always taking shots. And the majority of the time when you can make those shots, you move forward. Are there ups and downs? Absolutely. I mean, hey, if it was that easy, you wouldn't make much money. Um, but with my wife by my side, business partner since 1992, um, it's, it, it's difficult for us to fail because we have enough drive and determination. Now, you know, there was no correlation between a hardwood flooring company and um, flipping houses and life insurance. Like they're totally different. <laughs> all different sectors. All different things. <laughs> but the the common denominator was we're willing to learn. We're willing to, to give it everything that we got. And we're going to make excuses when we failed. So based on that, see, I think we could do really anything and succeed because we have drive and determination. The last thing you need is experience and talent. There's a lot of experienced talent, broke-ass people out there. Are you allowed to say that on this one? Yeah, you can okay. say whatever you want yeah, to say. There's a lot that. of broke-ass people <laughs> out there that are extremely talented and have lots of experience. They just lost their drive. Right. And to me, that's so sad, but hey, we're in America. So we're about to cross over into 2024. And there's so many people in this country that are like, I'm going to do this in 2024. I'm going to reach this. I'm going to do that. And we live in a freaking country that's the greatest one on earth, by the way. But we live in a country where you take the first freaking day off. Yep. It's like, okay, you got all these plans. Let's take a day off to start it. It's like, who, what? Seriously? Let's take the day off, most people with a hangover, and think you're going to accomplish something in this in this world? Nope. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know we were on a call. Uh, actually, it was just yesterday or the day before, and you were talking about the same thing about goal setting and everything like that. Um, and I think I even put on the chat, you know, we sat down two months ago yep. to go over my goals for 2024, right? Because if I'm, you know, there could have been somebody that started six months ago for starting to do 2024. I want to make sure I at least have the best advantage possible even over that person um, to be able to gauge that I feel 60 days is plenty of time to be able to get those goals started. And, you know, we were able to do that. And now we have this huge push that I can't wait for the next 90 days. It's going to be insane, I feel like. Um, I think 2024 is going to be if you want to and choose to, it can be the best year of your entire life. I mean, everything is working towards this huge incline to be able to do what you want, right? You know, um, the economy, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't maybe have the money right now to do extra things. Um, they're struggling. I think that's one thing I really like, love about the, um, you know, the pressure of the economy and how much things are costing because it's pushing individuals to have to find different avenues, right? I don't think if there's that push, like you guys have that push, right? You know, you lost the money during the thing. Then you're looking for a new opportunity, right? Um, and I think people need to start looking at it as a positive of all the negative stuff that's going on right now um, and not care and just push towards the next goal. You know, I think there's too much of a victim mentality, too much enablement with most people. You know, it's literally just, I, I don't I don't watch the news. I never turn the news on, but sometimes in the car, I'll listen to that uh, NPR Mm -hmm. national public radio because at least it's not slanted into a political situation and they were saying that uh, i guess california's um it's gone up like 10 times like, i'm sorry it's doubled in the last in the last 10 years their energy cost and so for a lot of people you know like an apartment you'll have a 500 dollar energy bill for your electric in Goodness. the summertime right and it and they're and like they interviewed this young guy that lives with his brother and the mom and the, the guys are in their 20s and they're saying how difficult it is to be able to pay the bills. I'm thinking, you, you got you got two guys, and now the mom's got medical situations, so she can't work, evidently. Um, but there's two grown-ass men in their 20s 
and they can't even support a mom in an apartment. And it's like, really, a $500 energy <laughs> bill? That's that's what's killing your life? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how about get, get yourself another job? Exactly. How about do something, work your butt off to get out of that situation instead of just being a victim your entire life? But there's too much of that. And like, people want so much equality given to them instead of earning it. That's not how life works. We're in a capitalistic society. You can go out there and get whatever it is that you want legally if you've got drive and determination. And it helps if somebody's helping you. But our first two businesses, we had zero people helping us. It's your you're their competition. Why would they want to help you? Exactly. Like in our industry, there's people that want to help you because they're financially invested to do it. You can call it a mentor or whatever you want. But it's like, man, in this one, when I came in, I'm like, you're like, you're really going to help me do this? He's like, yeah. I'm like, freaking awesome. Let's go. Yeah, it's one, one thing I wanted to say, too. Um, I know I've, I've started running into it. Um, how many times do you think that you've seen? I'm sure you don't have these people anymore in your life. But um, as you were building your business, they say, oh, I wish I had that. And it's so frustrating because it's like you saw where I was, but now you see all this and you, you forgot about everything that I had or was doing before. Yeah, I remember. Let's see. It was about a year ago. We're up in Cleveland. And it was the fall time, and we were at the Rod Stewart con- uh, concert. <laughs> he's like, I saw him like 30 years ago, but now he's like 78, and he was killing it. Aged like wine. Absolutely <laughs> killing it. He was so good. It was shocking. And um, I turned around, and there was one of my buddies from that I, I kind of grew up with, you know? And we started talking, and um, we, he's, we were talking about our, the success and everything because he had heard, you know, what had happened with us. And he goes, man, you're just in the right place at the right time. And I, I felt like getting into it with him, like, yeah. I, I wasn't going to explain it to him because, like, he's never going to change the way he thinks. But it's like, you know how many people in the right place at the right time and never execute what it is? You know, it's not like a coincidence. It's like, wh- why are there only a few people um, at Equus Financial that have, you know, gotten to a seven-figure income? Because every it's offered to everybody, you know, there was a bunch of people that got started day one with Equus Financial that that completely did nothing. They were at the right place at the right time, but they didn't execute it. See, the difference is you have to execute when you have an opportunity to do it, and that's what Cindy and I did, and we were not going to let this opportunity pass us by. Yeah, and it's crazy to think about, even with just as Equus, you know, they say right place, right time, but this was started in 2016. That's 15. Like 15, 2015, yeah. right? So that's a year before I graduated high school. Yep. And yet I can come in, you know, three years ago and still be able to build an amazing business. So I don't think it's, like you said, it's not right time, right place, or whatever you want to call that. It's literally just whether or not you want to work your butt off for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. You know, I spend 13-hour days Monday through Friday building what I want to build, but so then I can take the next 60 years off. That's that's the what the difference is that you have to yeah too many people think that it's a things are coincidence or they'll say like oh yeah you're in the right place at the right time or oh everything happens for a reason or or you're privileged or like they'll try to excuse out the success but then victimize themselves and give make them feel better about it you know there's this whole thing today about oh this person's privileged well you you might be privileged because somebody else worked their butt off like your parents like my parents decided to move out of their house in Cleveland, Ohio, and get into the suburb when my dad had a house 100% paid off. 
to take on a new mortgage again to put us in a better situation with a better school system and a better neighborhood because he saw it was happening to the neighborhood in the city. So he sacrificed. So if you want to call that privilege, I call that being a good parent. Right. See, like if you're if you're not coming from privilege, then maybe you should ask your parents why not. Yeah. See, and then those people that are coming from, oh, you're privileged. It's like you want the same thing for your kids. That's that's your job as a parent. Dr. Phil says two things. Your your job as a parent is prepare children to become adults they can function and have a shot for a better life than you. Exactly. Yeah, you always want to be pushing the people forward, not just staying stagnant. I think, you know, I, I always have to go back to Iowa because that's where I'm from. I mean, you look at individuals, they're still stuck there. They're stuck in this endless loop. I mean, I, it's crazy when I go back. I'm like, you're still doing this? Like, what is going on? And then they're, they don't like me because <laughs> I always say, they're like, yeah, it's, it's cold up here. It's your choice. Right. Yeah. I had to sacrifice a lot to move to Florida. Like it wasn't just given. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you were part of that, <laughs> that struggle when I was first getting started with coming down here. I mean, I did this part time for a month and made the decision to pack up my car and sell everything and just take a chance. Right. right. You know, this isn't East Berlin in the 60s. You know, like you, you, you can you're not stuck there and you're not allowed to leave or you get shot. Like if you don't like where you live, you don't even need to do anything to change. Like you can go to a different state different part of the country. And the worst you have to do is like update your driver's license. Exactly. You know? And so when people, but here's the thing, victims love things to complain about. Even if there's nothing there, they'll complain about the weather. I remember um, when Betty White died maybe a year ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And fantastic actress, you know, beautiful person. And it, uh, I was going through um, Publix and it was one of those magazines that was right there that Betty White dies at age 99, you know? <laughs> and and I just told the cashier, I said, oh, man, 99, she didn't get cheated. Oh, no. the the This uh, cashier says, oh, she did get cheated. She didn't get to her, her 100th birthday. I'm like, <laughs> it's for some people, you just can't find the good in anything. Because if she would have made it to 100, it would have been, oh, she didn't make it to 101. Right. Or then, so, so some people just can never see the good in anything and can't be happy with it. And you know, as you level up in life, your you know life becomes more like really a like a pyramid shape as you level up in it. There's less people in the one percent than in the ninety nine percent. Okay, that's just like it, it's just going to work that way. And so when you level up in life, be prepared that some people you'll have to spend less time with or no time with because they may not be happy for you. They may not be happy about your success. In fact, most of them will be very jealous about it and envious and even hateful at some point. And guess what? Those people aren't good to be around. See, I learned a long time ago, Brady, that if you can't be happy for somebody else's success, you'll never have your own yourself. Exactly. And then, you know, I don't know if it was a book or maybe you had told me it, but I was having a lot, you know, thinking I was being selfish, you know, leaving those type of people or leaving those conversations, essentially. But then, you know, I don't know if it like I said, I don't know if it's you that said it, but the selfish part is those individuals that were encouraging you to to be better and be more successful. Um, Because I know me personally, I was like, well, I can help you, you know, if you want to do this, you know, you can do it, right? I don't care if you do it or not. But this is what's working. This is what the opportunity is. And if you want it, come grab it, right? And then it's always like, oh, I don't, I, I can't take a test. Oh, I can't, I can't make a phone call. Oh, I can't talk to people and do this. I'm like, 
you're talking to me right now. What's the difference? There's no difference at all. Like if you can talk to somebody and I'm like, you have friends, right? Well, how'd you make those friends? Well, I talked to them. Okay. And then you look back, you know, how many people from high school do you still, are you still friends with? But you still made friends with them at some point, right? And created that connection. So that's literally it. Like if you're willing to have those conversations, ask the questions too. That's the biggest thing. Um, it, it is amazing. People pay so much money for their phones you know, they get the newest, the best one. They spend a lot of money on that. They finance it over a couple year period and they have a monthly plan. Most people spend like, you know, at least a hundred bucks or so a month um, on their plan for oh, a phone. Way more than way that. More I, than used that. Be, I used to be in the business <laughs> way more than a hundred dollars. Yeah. Maybe it's a flip phone era, but like, they won't use that phone to make themselves a million dollars. That's the crazy part. And most people use the word can't way too often because they like, if we say, oh, you know what? We got a, a meeting. We got a, um, an Equus conference coming up here on March 7, 8, and 9 in Orlando. Oh, I can't make that. It's like, no, no, no. The, the words won't. There's like 178,000 words in the English language. Let's use the right one. It's not can't. It's won't. Because if there was a $10,000 check sitting there on the seat for you, you'd make it. It would be like, oh, no, sorry, I can't make it. It's like, yeah, you could. You would absolutely make it. But see, people will limit what they're willing to do because they don't believe in themselves enough. And that's probably because they're doing what everybody else does. They'll, they'll like literally last night, my wife and I um, got a text from her cousin and she says, um, are you watching the game? Now this morning, cause we were already sleeping in bed. Um, we, she w woke up and she said, oh, I got a text from Kara. And she said, are you watching the game? She's like, what game? I said, and keep in mind, this is like December 20, was it 29th right now? Something like that? Yeah, 29th. Okay. And I said, um, hmm. I, I mean, I know there's bowl games at the end of the year. Maybe Ohio State was in a bowl game or something like that. Right. I, I really don't know because she's from Ohio. And then she texted Kara back, and, and it was a Browns game. I'm like, oh, it would have been, been Thursday night football, right? Because yeah. it's like it's not just like football on Sundays anymore. You know, it's <laughs> – because I remember growing up, it was – my dad would watch the game if it was sold out because otherwise they would black it out on the TV. This is back when there were three stations and one a UHF station if you got the bunny ears right. Right. And and so it was like there was one opportunity to watch a football game on a Sunday. And then it became two games on a Sunday. And then it became Sunday night football as well, Monday night football, and Thursday night football. And now they're even playing some pro some NFL games on Saturdays. So like most people will sit there and watch a bunch of other dudes. And again, Hey, if this is what you like, go for it. Um, but if, but they'll watch a bunch of other dudes running around with a bunch of other dudes, chasing a ball around a, a, a field in pants, in my opinion, are a little bit too tight and root for those guys and like have a Jersey with some other guy's name on their back and then asking their wife to go make them some more chicken wings. You know, it's like, like that's really what American men have come to now. Like you're you're pretending to be somebody else because your life sucks so bad. And if God forbid they lose that game, you're a beast for the next seven days. Yeah. It's like that's what it is. So it's like we'd even know they were playing, let alone give a crap. Now you might have hobbies. I have a hobby. I got some race cars. I got a GT <laughs> Porsche GT3, and I got a Lotus Evora S. And I go to the racetrack and I race those suckers myself. I don't like watching other people do it. I like to do it myself. But see, most people in this world are miserable and underachievers. So if you do what most people do, you'll get what they got. I, I did tell my wife the other day, because it's, it's a pet peeve of mine, what people do. And again, hey, if, if 
if Jared Ewing wants to watch football all day, God bless him. You know why? He's built a freaking empire for <laughs> exactly. him and his family. Like he's a seven, even a seven figure guy longer than us. But if you're not, if you're underachieving for your family and then you're doing all this other stuff and, and dreaming about being some other dude, I don't appreciate it. Like I don't respect it. I don't understand it. I told her, I said, what if the culture was the women got together for Saturday and Sunday and watched soap operas and like the real housewives of whatever county and they dressed up like them and they had their names on the back of their shirts and then the guys had to cook for them all weekend and bring them wine and cheese and everything and then those women were all getting fat while you're cleaning the house like because that's the role reversal here and like these women like i don't see that they probably are thinking this was the guy they wanted to marry when he's rooting for some other dude with the other guy's name on his back. I just don't get it. I see people walking around with Kobe Bryant jerseys and the guy I'm like you're 350 pounds. Like <laughs> that's a 5XL. Right. Like you ain't Kobe, bro. You ain't Kobe. <laughs> you're not even get close. And you could though. I mean anybody can do anything. I mean it's it's funny you bring up like Kobe Bryant and then I think of football, you know, I think Tom Brady, but these people that you're thinking of are people if you actually listen to what they have to say. Like I was listening to a um he would, Tom Brady was doing an interview. He was like, I just didn't ever want to give up. So he was always just in there working more than the other person, going in and doing the extra stuff. And people thought he was crazy the entire time because mm -hmm. um, he was the last one to be picked every time, ended up being, um, I think he was a backup or something, and then became yep. the, the, the best. Right? Yeah, he didn't, even, he didn't even start. He didn't even get a start until Drew Bledsoe got injured. And I remember back then, the, the whole thing was you can't lose your position to an injury. So it was expected that when, and then Tom Brady went on to win the, the Super Bowl, but it was expected that when Bledsoe came back, his job was there. And it's like, no, it ain't. <laughs> this other kid, <laughs> he outworked you. And here's the thing. You got, you got three things that'll make you money. Your attitude, your work ethic, and your talent. You, you control two of those. You control your attitude. You control your work ethic. Talent is developed. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I don't, you know, I always sit, think like, what was my talent? I don't really have any talent. I just have the talent. The only talent I could come up with is I'm willing to outwork anybody and anyone. With a good attitude. Yeah. See, those two things will make talent. And most people just think, I, I got to have, I got to get the talent. It's like, but if you don't have a good attitude and you don't have good work ethic, you're wasting your time. Yeah. And then the other thing too, I always, I'm the biggest thing I'm, you know, you know, you can be scared of the dark, you can be scared of this, but my biggest thing I'm scared of is being in the same position a year from now. Right. That's scares. terrifying. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. I'd never want to be in the same. Could you imagine, like, yeah, I live a great life, but I don't want to be here in a year. <laughs> right. I would be miserable if that happened. Like, yeah, I mean, we had growth this year, but I'm still like, man, I could have done so much more. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the, that's the kind of the ironic part, too, is that even when you're maybe, you know, at home watching the football games and you're around all that culture, right? Um, you're, you're, you know, blaming yourself or not, not happy about it, but it's no different when you get up to the level that we're at either. You know, you have people that stop at making a hundred thousand dollars a year. They get complacent. They're okay with that. Yep. Right. And that's okay if they're okay with it, but are they going to be in the next 30 years? Are you going to be happy about your, yourself in 30 years? Um, I think I forget who the guy is. Um, He's in like all the movies. All the girls think he's like the hottest. <laughs> but, uh, he Brad was in Pitt. Interstellar. Interstellar. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. He says, um, "My wife does not think he's attractive 
whatsoever. No. But she also doesn't think she doesn't like Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp either. Well, that's why she likes you then. <laughs> so, but no, um, he, he said, um, you know, somebody asked who his hero is. And he said his biggest hero is his himself in 30 years. That's who he's striving to be is himself 30 years from now. That's who he wants his hero to be. So yeah. are you going to be happy with yourself in 30 years um, with the way you, that you you lived? Are you going to sit around playing video games, watching football, um, and do all that? Everyone's like, well, you're in your 20s. You know, you want to live it up. Why? Why would I live right now when I still have 60 years? <laughs> if I want to live now, that means I plan on dying when I'm 35. Yeah, you know, and the other thing about that is most people think living it up is going out and having a good time. You know, when you achieve something, that that's living it up, okay? Like these people like Elon Musk and some of these people that are extremely driven, that's what living it up is to them, achieving something to leave a legacy and enjoy it along the way. It's like, you know, it's not like you're you're working all the time and never enjoying anything, but, you know, to be able to um, do something better this year than last year and it was something that you really wanted to do and whether it's, you know, Hey, being able to give more at your church or an institution, being able to set up a charity or nonprofit, maybe it's, you know, getting a nicer house or a car or, you know, improving your own health, you know, I mean, Hey, improving your health costs money. Be clear on that part. A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like all of these things don't just happen because you're existing. And most people think that seniority means something because we've been conditioned by employers to think so. However, it doesn't. Just because you're here another year doesn't make you any better. It just means you've existed another year, you know, which is literally the least accomplishment for anybody. You've just existed another year. Yeah, <laughs> almost everybody else has too, by the way. And so when you think about how are you going to do that? Well, you got to change people you hang out with. You got to change the way you think. And the way you do that is you're going to have to get in and either read books, listen to podcasts like this, listen to books on audio. I think one of the best ones is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And it's because we've been conditioned to think the way that we are, or the way that we do, based on our formative years, growing up prior to age 18, 20. That's when we're the most influenced by people that are in charge, people we look up to parents, teachers, role models. You know, if you think back to, you know, why are there so many muscle cars from the 60s that have been sold for exorbitant prices these last decade or so? Well, it's because the people that grew up during that time period got successful enough that in their 50s and 60s and 70s wanted to buy those cars again to revisit their youth. I mean, I'm selling two cars at the Meekum auction in Kissimmee uh, in a, actually in, a, in about a week week from today my g-wagon goes up on the on the block heck yeah then a week and a half later my gt3 goes and like oh you're selling your gt3 yeah i want a gt4 rs it's a better car yeah. i want to level up in that too right i want to be able to increase my um my my speeds and and get my times lower at sebring and so people like what they have when they grew up but if you never change the way you think you gotta you gotta address the way you were taught when you're growing up and Secrets of the Millionaire Mind does that. See, you are taught by your parents to think a certain way and to live a certain way. And that's a blueprint that got imprinted on you. And if you don't challenge it for what you want, see, if you have a blueprint where you grew up as a child in the Depression in the 30s, okay, the Great Depression in the United States, you didn't throw 
anything away your entire life. And that's why we have hoarders that, you know, that from that generation or their parents went through that time period like my grandparents did. And then they taught their children, don't ever throw anything away because as good as everything looks, it can all fall apart in 24 hours because it did. And so those people realized that that could happen. See, I grew up, I remember sitting in the kitchen table um, growing up and my dad says, finish what's on your plate because children in China are starving. I'm like, what? what Sounds is like a China problem. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay, for, first of all, China's like on the other side of the country and we're not giving this food to them, but it was, see, they, they were raised by people from the depression. So you didn't waste anything. They repurposed things. And so if you don't ever challenge the way you were taught, you're going to still think the way people did a hundred years ago. Like they say, Oh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. No, it's actually not. Mm -hmm. If you were like 90% of the country were farmers back then, and you needed to consume at least 3000 calories, or you're passing out <laughs> because you were starting your day at four o'clock. Exactly. So it was the most important part of the day. But if you go work in a cubicle, you probably shouldn't eat it at all. Yeah, that's funny you bring that up because uh, and you brought it up, up, you know, like losing weight and stuff. I've been on that journey for the last 90 days. You look great, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I think I'm down like almost 67 pounds. And but the camera's adding 10 pounds. But I'm yeah. telling you, you guys look great. <laughs> exactly. So, but uh, it, it's just funny because everyone's like, well, because I do intermittent fasting, right? But if you look like biologically how we're made, like if you're not burning all those calories, you don't need to be eating them. Right. And then, so I do intermittent fasting. So I do 23 hours and then only an hour window where I eat. But I can eat whatever I want during that hour. So it, it's easier for me because I had eating issues with eating a lot. of. I like food a lot. <laughs> so, um, But people just don't want to accept that. Like, I can't go uh, 23 hours without eating. Well, have you tried? Right. You can do anything you yeah. want to do. Um, and then being able to just take that the next step further and then eating healthier, right? And then stopping soda. And mm -hmm. then, like, people just said, it's not that you can't do it. You don't want to do it. That's, right. the, that's the biggest difference there. And not only that, you know, you look back, you know, cave people didn't eat every day. Right. That's where we're biologically from. Right. right. We're not grazers. We're not no. we're not grazers at all. In fact, you know, I, I first heard about intermittent fasting from John Kite at an Equus event. And he just dropped that in there about being um, self-disciplined and things of that nature. And so I started thinking about it. I remember Matthew and Kelsey Weiner, they ended up doing this thing. It was called, I think called Code Red. And it was about intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And then Cindy and I did it. And then like it, it works really good for us. And so I probably f at least five maybe six days a week. I'm just going dinner to dinner, yep. you know, and it, and it helps out tremendously with me. I feel better. Um, and so the thing about it is that like when somebody who is at a better station in life than you says something, it's probably a good idea to give it some, give it some thought because, you know, John looks great. He's, I think just turned 56 years old. He's, he's been an inspiration to me for a long time. <laughs> Him and Kim are great, great people. They've now become, you know, integrity marketing partners or, you know, they're millionaires and, um, they, they've got a, they've got a great life, but see, John, he changed his life long before the money got there, and you have to attract things into your life, and if you don't, they're never going to get there. So you got to act like a millionaire before you become one. You know, Brady, I want to ask you a few questions. You know, you talk about going out to dinner. Um, you know, you think about the dinners and the restaurants you get to go to today versus say just like three, four, five years ago. Um, you know, cause you'll go to like, you know, chops and it's like an a la carte place where the steaks are like 80, 90 bucks, you know, like how has your life changed? How much they are? I, don't, I don't look, <laughs> I don't even look either, but sometimes it's kind of funny. Cause like, oh wow, this Wagyu is uh, $33 an ounce, you mm -hmm. know? And it's like, I'll get, I'll get eight ounces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
man, the, the, that's the nice thing about, you know, people are like, well, you have all this money, you know, why don't you do this? Cause I like, I need to live a little bit. I grew up not seeing any of this stuff. I know we've gone out a lot and you're, I'm like, like what is this? What, how does this work? What, what is this butter? Like right. how to use this knife, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, and you guys thought it was funny, thank goodness. And I was comfortable enough to be able to ask you guys those questions, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the food that we get to eat now is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, instead of thinking about, okay, I got to, I got to eat today. I'm going to go to McDonald's or Burger King, you know, and, and it's like, now you get to go to these fantastic restaurants like Ruth Chris and chops and, and, and then you'll go and like, you know, treat some people that you like as well. Um, we were just at, um, the jungle Tiki over in oh, Cape Coral. My places. That, that's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> place. You know, so think about like the vehicles that you drive now versus what you drove back four years ago. What's the difference? Big difference. So I had a Ford Fusion, and then we had a Tesla. I say we because you came <laughs> came in uh, when got picked up, and we because I assinuate a lot of a lot of everything I have to you guys, and so I'm so appreciative for that. So that's why I always say we because I, I wouldn't be here without you guys. But no, it went from a Tesla that had to float away. <laughs> Great perks of living in Florida, right? Hey, right. we live here, but there's some downsides sometimes. Every once in a while, <laughs> very rarely. But yeah, um, and then we have um, I have the BMW now. Um, and then yeah, we're looking to if we get some insurance things figured <laughs> figured out quick. Then I'm I have a couple more cars that next year we're definitely going to be getting some. And I'm going to get on that racetrack with you. It's on my yeah. list to get done this year. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a great time. Um, so what about like where you live? Because you mentioned you had to go and live with, with your grandma's house. Yep. So what what year was that? So yeah, so this was three years ago, last November. Well, I got started, so my very first career was I was a server at IHOP. Did that for almost four or five years. Um, you know, was a manager at like 17, 18, like super young. Um, a lot of folks didn't like me there because they were super old, still working. <laughs> Have you ever been to it and see servers at IHOP? They're always like 60 or 70 years old. Yeah. But, and then you've asked them how long they've been working there. Oh, I've been working here 30 years. You've been here for 30 years? Yeah. And I, I was getting stuck in that in that cycle there, and then um, – you know, it's always somebody asking you a question, like, why are you still doing this, right? So then I got a job um, while I was in college in Iowa. I went to high school down here. Then I went up to Iowa because I had a scholarship. And then I was there for a year and a half for the scholarship, still working at IHOP. But then I was just getting exhausted doing that work, essentially. And they made me mad <laughs> one day and went into the, ironically enough, a phone store. And the guy had asked me like three times, like, you want to work with me for part-time, part-time, part-time? Finally, I had enough. I was like, Still got that part-time job. The funny part is I don't think he was probably excited that he hired me about eight months later because I started out part-time, went to full-time, assistant manager, number one business rep, and then took his job. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, and then did, did that for a while. But um, how I got led to the insurance industry, my mother passed away four years ago and the job told me I had... 24 hours off. Now that's not 24 hours like of my work time. That was two days off, right? So I got Friday, Saturday. We weren't open Sunday, so I got got Sunday off. But I had to report back Monday morning, no matter what. Hmm. Like, and if I didn't report back, I was fired. Wow. And, and then so that's kind of where I made a decision that I would I have to find something different. I will never work for another person in my entire career, like ever. Um, I didn't care what what I had to do to make it work. So. Um, kind of fast forward, it was like two weeks later, I, I just kind of walked out <laughs> and stuff. Um, and yeah, so then went and got into the insurance industry, did not do well, but I tried to do it. Uh, literally used every single ounce of 
all my resources I had, you know, I think I had like $15,000 limits on credit cards. I had no credit card debt before then went $15,000 in debt, just trying to make it work. Cause I was so determined not to do it. Um, I'm so thankful COVID happened <laughs> because if COVID didn't happen, it wouldn't have pushed me to find something different. Mm -hmm. So lost everything. I mean, I remember, you know, going through that whole thing and, you know, ran out of the credit card money. So then, um, you know, I'd work Monday through Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm selling all my stuff that I have in my house. I mean, selling the bed, selling the couch, selling the outdoor furniture, selling, you know, because I had, you know, I had lived in a beautiful place and had a, had a lot of things because I was really good with my money, with building up my career and everything like that and being able to build my credit and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you got to keep on trying and doing things. So COVID happened. I got COVID before it was cool. <laughs> then, we did too. Yeah. We got it. Jan oh, it was December 26th, day after Christmas of 2019. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah that was right. We just thought it was a really bad flu. <laughs> It was really bad because we're like, man, this really kicked our butts, you know? Yeah. We didn't even know COVID was a thing yet. We might have been like patient zero or something. Right. I, I don't know what – I mean, it was COVID for sure, and they didn't even have test kits or anything. But I have never been so sick to where my bones hurt. It felt, yeah. I felt like I was going was through growth spurts again with my legs hurting. Oh, it was not fun. But essentially, you know, lost my lost my house there. Lost, you know, I had already sold all my furniture, so it was pretty easy to move out. So that, that made things easy. So, but moved in with my my grandma. Um, thank goodness, you know, she let me do that. You know, first time not working since I was fourteen. Um, so I was able to take, you know, I think it was only three months off, but was getting some unemployment to try to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do again. And then I found you guys again. <laughs> so, yeah. and it's funny. After three months, I was like, this sucks. Just sitting around all day and doing nothing. Like, right. I, I couldn't do it. So ended up going through and um, the funny part, I was looking for another insurance license because I had my health license, but I was like, I need to get my life license um, just to be more adaptive to other insurance agencies. I didn't know where I was going to go with it. Um, and I knew of a discount code mm -hmm. and I was like, I just need to find a company where I can get that discount code. I don't even need to work for them. I just need that code. <laughs> yeah. After I got the code, they can't do anything. Right. Um, and so it was funny. I accepted, not I accepted a position. I got my discount code the day I accepted a position back out of telecommunications. And I was so upset because I was like, told myself I would not work for another person again. Um, thank goodness the person that did hire me. And I think the only reason why I accepted it was um, they were just so nice. They're like, we have all this experience, you know how to do this, like you just do your thing. Like, you know, as long as you're here, X, Y, and Z, you can pick your days you want to work. You're, you know, you're at this commission level, just do, do your thing. And I'm going to be, they were happy because I was a powerhouse when I sell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I um, was able to increase their numbers and, you know, didn't have to worry about anything. I mean, I think she was the first manager. We never butted heads, I don't think. Wow. Which is rare for me. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't get along if, if I'm not the boss. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I did that for like literally 90 days um, while do getting my static for my exam and then did this part-time for a month. And then I think that's when, I don't know how we got on the phone or why we got on the phone, but somehow you told me I need to move to Florida. I don't, do you remember that conversation at all? I, I do. It's because, um, you know, back then everything was still face-to-face. -face, and I think the, the struggle was there weren't enough leads happening locally. And I said, man, we're, we're getting loaded down here in Florida. I said, the weather's nice because, like, you're always talking about, oh, it'd be really cool to move there and stuff. And so I said, man, just, why don't you just come down and move, you know? And because you said your your grandma was in Cape Coral, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, surprisingly, like, you're, you're – I definitely knew at that point you're a man of action because, like, you said, okay, and then you did it. <laughs> See, most people say, okay, and then you have to revisit that conversation again a few times before it happens. But 
you did it right away. And I said, okay, well, hey, if, if you're going you're gonna to trust me, then we're going to make sure that no matter what happens, we're going we're gonna to help you as much as we can so that you don't regret that decision. And there was a couple of times where we helped you out with a few things yep. that because we believed in you, you know, give you like seven or 800 bucks for leads one time and you, you turn that into thousands and thousands of dollars, then you're off to the races. But um, every time that you have a, a shot, it seems like you make it. Or yep. if you don't, you shoot quick enough again so that there's not a lot of time in between. So yep. that's what we respect about you guys, is, or you, because um, you're on your own, and now you live in this beautiful three-bedroom townhouse in a gorgeous area. Uh, it's brand new. We're, we're talking about you moving you know, to even a nicer place. And again, like some people might listen, oh, it's really materialistic. It's like, no, we, we live in America. Yeah, we're, we're not a communist country where... No matter what you do, you get the same equality as everybody else, which is shit, by the way. It's like, <laughs> like you, you see, like no, nobody looks at these communist countries and says, "Wow, I want that." Right? Why? Because everything is bland. Like there's, there's nothing exciting about their lives. They're just existing, and it's like, this is freaking 2023, almost 24. It's like you can do whatever you want at whatever level you want, if you've got some desire and ambition. But if you don't, well, hey. Like they said in the in the movie The Departed, world needs plenty of bartenders. Yep, that's hey, that's true. We do need bartenders. That's really important. <laughs> so, but no, it's funny that you bring up materialistic because I've been told I've been that all my life. I don't know what material. I don't even know what is defined as that. But I mean, if having nice things and living a great life is materialistic, then I guess I'm materialistic. I don't know, but <laughs> well, you know, it's and sometimes people think that if you have a lot, you're materialistic. Um, most of the time, the people that are talking about that are the ones that really are. They're just jealous about it because they don't have anything and that's all they want. And then they'll be jealous at you over it. So it's like, yikes, now they're materialistic and they're jealous. That's like, that's the worst, you know? When you talk to people that have a lot of stuff, it doesn't really mean that much to us. Yeah. You know, because like we, we, we're all on a level playing field. We all have 24 hours in a day and and we all have like the ability to do whatever it is that we want. And we all can think how we want to in this country too. So all of those things, we all control them. But yet some people will say, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm like, are you, are you in a different schedule than we are? We all have 24 <laughs> hours, but why is Elon Musk able to do what he does and yeah. Warren Buffett, but other people are on welfare their entire life? It's because the, the way that they, they think and the way they use their time and that's why people will be victimized. Say, well, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not privileged. You're lucky. It's like, mm, but if you look into it, the so there's a guy named Dave Ramsey. If you know who he is, mm -hmm. don't like a lot of his philosophy. So the one thing he always asks is, you know, how much did you actually inherited of this money? Love that question. He's like, I think he said it's like 0.25 percent of people actually inherit any money. Everything else was earned. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have the opportunity to earn it. It's just whether or not you want, like, um, I always think back to, you know, Jordan Belfort. I love that movie, but not a very good guy. But, you know, you said he's, I've been a broke man and I've been a rich man. I'm always going to choose rich because yep. it's a great lifestyle, mm -hmm. right? And same thing. I mean, I grew up so poor. I think that's why I have so much ambition to to have nice things. And that's why I said I don't know what materialistic is because I never had this type of stuff. So I'm like, I just want to have it because, one, I work my butt off, and two, might as well have it if you can have it, right? I don't right. want to live in a shack. I did that all my life growing yeah. up. And then you get to share it too. Yeah, that's you the know, other thing too. And here's the other thing. Like when you make more money, you pay more taxes and you get to pay for more broke-ass people to be on welfare. They should appreciate it. Well, unless you're smart and you just don't 
have to do that. So <laughs> yeah. if you're a business person, that's why that's what that's the nice thing about it too. It's like, um, you know, people get mad because, you know, Donald Trump doesn't pay any money. But if you look at all the stuff that he actually gives back and does, that's where all of his money's going. Like, why wouldn't you, why would you not be happy with that? Like we give, that's why we do profit sharing. You know, there's mm -hmm. reasons behind everything, but you know, why not give somebody an extra chance to do right. that? Like you guys gave me, um, I remember one time I couldn't, I was like, couldn't pay rent, couldn't do this. And then ironically, um, T-Mobile reached out to me again. They're like, we're going to give you, like, it was like the holy grail for normal people for corporate America, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, you get company car, full health benefits. You get a stipend per month and a company credit card. Um, they offered me $150,000 salary, right? And um, and then I was telling telling you, I was like, I think I'm going to have to do this, you know, part-time. I don't want to stop doing this, but I need to have this cash flow. He's like, well, you bet on yourself this much. What if we give you 700 bucks or whatever? You, you didn't even tell me an amount of money, by the way. You just said, go buy whatever lead you want to go buy, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll pay for it. Yeah. I'm like, really? Because you're the first person to ever help me out, like ever, like in that in that aspect, like financially or anything. And to believe in me, like I believed in myself. And so went in and did that. You're like, just give it one more week. Like, what's one more week, right? Yep. Your bills are still going to be there in a week. They're not going to kick you out in a week. Might as well try it, right? I'm like, all right, if you're going to give me money, I'm going to go try it. Yep. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, didn't have didn't have money for um, a hotel at all. Like, a lot of people don't, like, it was a struggle getting this getting this thing going and moving and start, starting the flywheel effect, as we call it. And so, um, but my brother's a truck driver. I grew up in Iowa. I know how to rough it, right? Mm -hmm. So just took my blanket, took my pillow, had my car, uh, went up, worked. It was like, I don't know, six hours north. And it was freezing, by the way. <laughs> I did not know Florida got that cold. Um, slept at a truck stop in the back of my car. Uh, woke up to frost on the windows. That was crazy. I was like, there's frost in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you just make it work. And then, you know, from there, like you said, was able to, I think, you know, made $10,000. You don't even know this, but um, coming home, I still didn't have any money because I was still waiting for my deposits to hit. Mm -hmm. So um, first and only time ever, I downloaded an app and I didn't even know you could do this. I was like, how to get a payday loan? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew they existed. Yep. And I was like, um, you know, how can, can I do this like on an app? So I was able to do a payday loan and slept in my car. I was like two hours from home. So I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't just make it two hours more because <laughs> I didn't have gas money. And so um, got the payday loan. The next day they had the money deposited in my account. It was like 300 bucks. And then two days later, or no, the next day, because it was a Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday the deposits hit, paid off the payday loan, no yep. interest, no nothing, and was able to get home. And then I had that cash flow. And then I learned from that mistake of like not spending all my money um, right. and keeping that chunk there to be able to keep on investing in the leads and keep on growing the business from yep. there. Well, you become a, a smart business owner and a CEO. And so we're super proud because, you know, when we invest in people, we're looking for them to be the best version that they can be, right? We're not looking for you to be somebody else. We're looking for you to be the best Brady Driscoll. And we can see that you're you're leveling up and uh, you're going to achieve some incredible things. And we're super glad to have helped you out. Yeah, I'm excited. So we're going to have fun. So we're going on a cruise. We're giving away, I'm giving away cruises next year. Who would ever yeah. thought I could give away cruises, right? How cool is that? I and know. then... I think also, you know, uh, I was just telling you before we started the podcast too, a booking, um, I think it was like $3,100 or something for, for a room for three three days. Yep. Like thinking back almost three and a half years ago, I, that was like my, that was literally my monthly salary. Yeah. $3,000. That was literally how much I made a month. I thought I was making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll be able to use this room 
at the conference for your team, team yeah. meetings, a little enjoyment, get some appetizers, some you know, some refreshments up oh, yeah. there. It'll be it'll be worth it for you. And then other people can see it's like, oh wow, if I work hard, could I do this too? Yeah. yeah. And some people will appreciate it and go for it. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna be able to, like you said, I'm gonna. I already have a bunch of ideas, but we have a. I have a private patio. I've never had. You know, you can do that with a room. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna have some events out there, and then do a couple podcasts. Do the room so big we can do a podcast. It's like having an apartment. So yeah. you know, you're you're just getting more things done. Yeah, it costs money, but the return on the investment is always yeah. so much more. So that's I'm absolutely, and you get that. to share. You get to share that experience with other people, and you're spending the money to do it. That's giving back, right? <laughs> it isn't just like. We're just greedy, hungry people wanting for us. Like we want to give back to people too. So. No, money's no fun unless you can share it. That's right. That, yeah, I don't want. I don't. <laughs> the only thing I don't want to be around broke people. But you know, hey, we can help people get get to make a lot, a lot of money, and then then they have money, and then it's all great, right? Yeah. Might as well have friends with money. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, hopefully, I can be on this podcast again in the future. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that we could finally, you know, get get on here. I know your schedule is super hectic, um, and your wife's amazing too. So. You guys should see his dog. You just told me you're getting another dog, so I'm super excited yep. for that too. So maybe we can have another dog dog play date. Yep, sounds <laughs> so, good. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate you as always. Um, can't tell you thank you enough. So, um, but you guys, thank you again for watching the podcast. Thank you for you know liking, subscribing, share this. You know, um, some folks don't understand that there's simple opportunities out there. You know, you don't have to have a degree to do what we do. Um, you just have to have a hard work ethic and be willing to talk to people. Yep. Right. Um, you know, that's the, that Barry Clarkson, our CEO is, says all we promise is a hard time. So <laughs> it'll <laughs> be a challenge. Ju- it, it'll be a challenge. Yep. So this isn't like you come in and get rich really quick. I mean, it's taken me, you know, three and a half years to, you know, grow some wealth and, you know, it's going to continue to take time to build it even higher if I want to. Yeah. So. Or you could work someplace else for three and a half years and gotten a two to 3% raise every year. What do you freaking do? <laughs> yeah. I think I've gotten a hundred percent raise almost every single year. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the way to go. Yeah. So I'll take that anytime, but Thank you guys as always. Like I said, like, share, um, share this to your friends. And hey, if you're watching this and you think that you're interested, shoot me a text. I get my numbers everywhere. You can find it. Um, if you don't can't find it, my number is literally 319-654-5211. That is my personal direct phone number. Yep. So literally hit me up if you want to. We'll talk personally. I'm not scared to talk to anybody. So <laughs> sounds good. All righty. Thank you so much. Take care. A new place, a new home, for a while, let me feel alive. Nothing to hold me back, take my time, just enjoy the ride. A new man, passing by, life is good, best I've ever felt. Get me up, so in new, somewhere I can find myself. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel so alive As I reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out to the sky I found my way, I found my way I was in the dark against it all But made it through the day Cause I found my way, I found my way